Yeah, a shik Kelvin and Shia. Hope everyone had a good uh, first of the month weekend. And uh, if you're Navajo, hope your uh, Navajo Nation hardship checks are rolling in. And uh, be sure to use that money on supporting Res Metal. Just kidding. Uh, this is episode 45 of Res Metal Podcast. And on this episode, I talk with Jamie of Decolonized. Uh, Jamie's currently out of the Albuquerque, New Mexico area, um, but originally from Hollister, North Carolina, uh, out of the Halawas Pawnee Nation. Jamie uh, is from the Halawas Pawnee and Nansman tribes uh, out in the East Coast. And um, I'm really thankful he got a chance to reach out to me and, you know, we just get a chance to talk about, you know, uh, where he comes from, uh, his background how we started decolonized and some of the trials and tribulations of, uh, you know, his band. And, um, you know, he, we talk about how he, you know, relocated to Albuquerque to kind of, with the purpose of uh, getting decolonized um, active once again. But um, yeah, thanks again for reaching out to me, Jamie. And um, also, you know, be sure to follow Jamie of Decolonized be on the lookout for new music also you know always a shout out to metal cave zine for you know recommending you know bands to you know um talk to um for this podcast um you know i'm a one-man operation so you know any any help or you know spreading the podcast is always appreciated all right if you haven't heard decolonize i'm going to play a quick clip ptdd off of the Seeds of Resistance demo. So check it out and then check out the interview right after. All right, here we go. How's it going? This is Kelvin. I'm talking with Jamie from Decolonized. Uh, do you want to give yourself an introduction to listeners, Jamie? All righty. My name is Jamie. Um, I am from North Carolina. I come from the Halawasaponi and Nansamon tribes out of North Carolina and Virginia. I am Eastern Woodlands um, and also that's why I have a southern accent. So I'm from the southeast, I'm from the east coast. I moved out to New Mexico to rebuild my band and uh, amongst the res metal scene. Yeah. Is where I come from. There's not a lot of indigenous metalheads. I was like the only one there, I believe, in North Carolina that was doing like that was interested in doing extreme metal and indigenous metal and all. And you know. When you're amongst a bunch of kids that really like want to do like hip hop, particularly gangster gangster rap and all that, mm-hmm. you know it's hard to find your place and hard to find uh, musicians to play with, um, yeah. especially indigenous ones that understand the message you know that you're going yeah. for. How, how long ago did you relocate to New Mexico? I relocated after the band fell apart. Um, we did the demo. And uh, because we were like only like a band for like a few months, like for the first lineup. And after we recorded the demo and did two shows, um, tension started rising between me and the guitarist. Uh, we weren't seeing eye to eye. Uh, her mindset was very negative for me. And I had like a very, I don't give a fuck attitude, you know, when it comes approach to like the band and everything because. 
I feel like, you know, for as an artist, you have to please yourself before you please the fans. If you don't please yourself and you're just kind of a slave to the fans and you got to make some music that makes you happy. And her mindset was like, we're not good enough. We're not seasoned enough, you know, and it was just very draining. And it, and that's how, the you know, and it led, the climax was when, like, after we did two shows, she went on the band page and I had to delete the video because I was so angry. Um, she, like, thanked the people for coming to our shows, but proceeded to bash the demo that I pay out of pocket to record and say, hopefully our, ne- our debut album doesn't suck like our demo. <laughs> and I was so pissed because, you know, it hurt me really bad because, you know, it may, you know, I'm a vocalist, you know what I mean? And I take a lot of, I take a lot of pride into my band and my work, you know, and, you know, to have some, have your own bandmate kind of go over there and bash your, your own, your own material. It's so sabotage. It's it's. I mean, it's a demo. Usually, I don't know. Like, most demos are pretty raw, and I've I've heard it. Yeah. And it's it's super raw, and it, I really dig it. I like that style and aesthetic of a raw demo. Yeah, and you know, I remember after the after we recorded it, you know, she was kind of satisfied with it, and we had a conversation. I and I did something. I told her because she had you know she was a part of the North Carolina metal scene. And she wasn't native, so the rest of the lineup wasn't native. So, you know, because it's, you know, so it was just basically a bunch of people who just got together and tried to make something happen. That's basically what uh, the first uh, decolonized demo was a result of just a bunch of people trying to make something happen, you know. And she, we got together and she was all down about the demo's quality. And I told her, I said, look at our, look at our equipment. We are just starting. Bands don't become, don't make gold overnight. It comes with time. You know, you know, I mean, it's a progression, you know, like, like the only, like the only way you come out with something like solid, like out of the gate is unless you've been doing it for 30 years or more and been in bands previous, you know what I mean? And know what you're doing where us we don't know what the hell we're doing you know what i mean we're just starting out we're just learning we're just finding our way and you know when you're starting out you shouldn't be so hard on yourself about your first material you should be like we did our best let's try to make it better in the next time and just keep building and building and building after it was only like after two shows that's when she went, did that video and i was pissed and i fired her the bass player you know and me and him are still friends the only reason why i didn't continue to band with him was because he had like a rough time trying to get to practice and I wasn't confident, confident, you know, like where I was. Cause I felt like I can't make this band happen in a very white dominated scene because I feel like the Euro American dominated scene don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I think they feel uh, scared a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, that's what native metal is about. It attacks the systems the white man put in place, you know? And, you know, and to me, like, when you come into this van, you basically signing up to, you know, attack it, you know? You know what I mean? And, you know, and I didn't, I didn't want to continue it and have the same shit happen over and over again where I'm not agreeing with the person or whatnot. So I said, you know, Let's go to New Mexico. So, you know, and at the time I was dating, I was dating this Navajo girl. Um, and she became, she's, she's, me and her didn't last time, we, we, but we're still, we're roommates still, right? And she uh, told me, hey, let's, you know, come out, come out here, you know? So I got on, got on a Greyhound and rode out here and all uh, with purpose of, besides being with her, but to rebuild my band. And being here, you know, it's been wonderful. You know, I mean, I love the the art, I love the music around here, and I love the fact that there's more indigenous metalheads around here than where I come from, where there's none. Yeah, for sure. The whole Southwest area is just full of. Well, I mean, just the population in general with uh, Native Americans, and I think just uh, you know, there the scene. There's, I feel like you know the there's you know scenes around albuquerque scenes around phoenix and then there's kind of like um 
like, you know, it gets really thin, like, you know, as you kind of go further away from the city, like, um, out here on the Navajo reservation, there's plenty of bands, but they're spread apart, like, you know, like 50, you know, maybe a hundred miles apart and, um, getting shows together, uh, it's pretty infrequent. And a lot of times the shows are really like, you know, kind of like DIY uh, out here, but, um, but yeah, for well, sure. I, I think, um, Albuquerque, Phoenix, I think those, I mean, those are the, the two places I'm familiar with and they got really good scenes and a lot of, a lot of cool, like, uh, native bands out there. For sure. For sure. Like I love the, the DIYness of like res metal. Like, that's the thing, you know, that kind of got into the colonized was, you know, being D as DIY as possible. Like I did the logo, I did the artwork, I did the logos because I was like, I want to, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, and that's really what makes a lot of us go DIY is the fact we don't have a lot of money. Yeah. And we just sit here, we like, okay, let's try to make, let's try to draw the logo. Let's try to make some artwork, you know? And like with the first logo, uh, which appears on the demo, um, I try, I guess I try, I was trying to like do like this trash thrash death thing it didn't go where the logo's pretty the first logo's pretty cheesy but the new one i actually i redid did a new one recently and it's pretty good looking um and i actually made some symbols um like the cross you see up there i did a, i redid it i did like a digitized version of it because i do do have some i do know a little bit about graphic design and and all and i can draw and then i did like an anarchist turtle where i have like the turtle but I have like the anarchist sign on the back of a shell and it looks like a teepee and all to represent like Turtle Island anarchy and, okay. and, all. and, but I love like the DIYness of it. And, you know, I hope that like once the colonize gets back going to like be able to be a part of like, not just shows where at venues, but be a part of like the rest shows that the shows that happen on the rest. Cause like my mind said, let's play anywhere. It's all about exposure, you know. Yeah. As long as we got gas to get back home, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, right? for sure. Um, yeah, there's plenty of like places around here. Um, right now on like I'm just talking about the Navajo reservation, but the the pandemic still kind of has things um pretty limited, you know, as far as like public gatherings. Um um I don't know. Uh, I know most of the places that I've, I've seen shows like Gallup and then Gallup, New Mexico's always, you know, they've had shows like within, you know, the past, I don't know, the past year, I think. Um, but, uh, I think a lot of the shows on the res, they're still really kind of like on the, they're, they're not so, um, I guess they're not really well promoted just only because right we're still kind of in the pandemic and, I think a lot of the people on the reservation know just how bad the pandemic's been for uh, the people and their families. So I think a lot of people are just mindful of uh, doing shows right now. Um, but I know like in Albuquerque, you can still go to shows with, uh, if you show like your vaccine card and, um, and so, I mean, that's, yeah, hopefully you get to play some shows. Are you, so right now, is it just you? Are you the only member or do you have anyone else? Uh, we got uh, Ross from Blood Wolf doing uh, bass. Me and him are real close. We're good friends. And uh, he went through uh, a similar situation like me. Um, but he's he's getting his band back together. He's just, I think he got like a new drummer. And I think he got a new guitarist. That's a, you have to ask him about this. Um, I recommend you interview him um, very soon because he's, he's awesome. Um, yeah, it's me and him right now. We did have um, another member, but he um, couldn't be a part of the band because he had to focus on his family. He's got, you know, you know, children. So, so we're like, okay, we're understanding about that, you know. So, currently it's just me and him, and we're looking for more members. So, if anybody out there wants to, you know, is in the Albuquerque area or any of the Pueblo Reses and interested in joining a native metal band that specializes in death thrash and grindcore let us know cool um uh, yeah awesome yeah uh, going back to like kind of like your background um mm -hmm. you you mentioned you're from north carolina you said it's the uh halawa saponi uh nation uh yeah. can you tell like listeners kind of like what your area is like and kind of like just like 
kind of like what life is like uh, out there in Halawa Saponi? All right. Um, the Halawa Saponi Nation um, out in Holliston, North Carolina, small little country town. We're state recognized, not fairly recognized. So by the federal government, um, we, I guess we don't exist, but by the state we exist. Um, we're like a small little country town. Um, there's not a lot of like things to do, but I will say that if you compare it to like the Navajo reservation, you probably, you probably like, Oh, it's a lot better because we got like dollar generals and dollar generals, gas, more gas stations and like a few little small fast food restaurants, which we call grills. Um, culture wise, like we have our culture class where kid you know if you're like a power dancer we all come together on like tuesday night and practice our dances including the social dances and sometimes during those classes they'll like mention little extra classes where you can learn like craftsmanship like how to do bone carving how to make a drum how to make a bustle you know you know that's what we have in our community um i was a dancer before i was a musician i used to um, dance grass and i used to dance traditional didn't travel much, you know, I just kind of did my powwow because um, my grandma, you know, was taking care of her mama, and so I was raised by her, so I didn't really get to travel a lot as a powwow dancer. However, you know, I have fond memories of going to culture class as a kid and uh, and dancing and then being a part of the TAPS classes and all, so and that's what our community is like. We actually have our language, you know, we're trying to revive our language back home uh, we had a class for it briefly, and then I guess interest in it kind of like fizzled out. And I think a lot of it has to do with lack, with people not advertising it heavily enough. Like they just kind of keep it like word of mouth, which I think is an issue back home for me. For me, and uh, I know some of my language, um, and also, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, my dream is to one day bring my language as Tutelo into um death metal oh, nice yeah you mentioned that you're a uh, powwow dancer um and you doing grass and traditional that's that's cool um i grew up doing like powwow dancing too um like grass and like fancy dance but i think as i've gotten older it's just gets harder and harder to like travel out um especially like yeah i mean if it's close by i'll definitely check it out but yeah for sure i can i can um relate to you on that where it's it is harder to like travel out for um powwow gatherings um and then like uh just for people who aren't familiar like you know is there like any like um like issues or any kind of like uh, you know things that the that your um your people face that's kind of more specific that people don't don't realize drug addiction alcoholism is heavily on the community um, and lack of access to healthcare for like elders. Um, another thing I noticed there's this huge, uh, surge of people trying to be like, want to be gangsters, you know what I mean? Like kids, you know? And I feel like the reason why it's happening is because they don't feel included within the community because, you know, a lot of my people back home were mixed whether we wish to, you know, they may do disagree with you, but we're mixed, you know, we're triracial and that's just a result of colonialism as a whole. And, you know, and there's people that don't look a certain way or something like that. And they'll be, they'll make them feel like they're less indigenous than they are, you know? And that's a big problem. And we need to kind of fight that issue of like anti-blackness or, anti-whiteness where you know people are like oh you're too you got blonde hair and blue eyes but in your hollow ass opponent okay get out of here <laughs> you know what i mean and that's a problem um back where i come from like the east coast that's an issue you know what i mean um yeah you know in general yeah and how did we, you yeah i'm sorry uh sorry to like butt in but um it sounds like you were one of like very few people that were into heavy music like how did you like, how did you first get into it? And like, were there anyone else that you kind of, um, anyone else in your community that was also into like heavy music? Uh, there was no one in my community that kind of, there was no one in my community that took me under, under their wing. It was like, Hey, let me show you this. You know, there was no one there. 
I just got into it on my own. I think if there was, if I was to say there was like an influence, it probably came from my brother, Matthew. Um, he played guitar, but he was not into like metal. And uh, he was into more like pop punk, like Green Day and Fall Out Boy, you know, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, you know, when I, I got into metal when, when around the time of Death Magnetic, like Metallica's Death Magnetic, which was like out in 2008. And I thought James Hetfield had the ultimate voice and I just fell in love with the genre. Um, and I like started with Metallica and, it, and from there it just got heavier and heavier. Um, and I think another, I feel like it was kind of like full circle, you know, when I think back on it, because I think my first exposure to metal was through SpongeBob because SpongeBob had that episode where they had Pantera on, yeah. the, on the show. <laughs> yeah. That pre hibernation week episode. Yeah. With that. Dun, 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 <laughs> like I love that riff and I thought, Oh man, I want more of this. And, you know, being, you know, six or seven years old, uh, you know, you don't have access to like the internet to where you can find like Pantera or whatnot. So usually it's when you get older, you kind of find, you know, the, these bands, you know, and, uh, and that's what happened. You know, when I got a teenager, I got into heavy metal and got heavier and heavier. Cause main, mainly I think what made me go heavier, like, like, um, the opposition came from like Christians within my community. Um, cause I got kind of opposed. It got told, Oh, I'm going to hell. You know what I mean? And this and that for doing the devil's music. And, you know, it was painful. You know what I mean? I, I, I there was actually a Christian metal period in my life where I was writing Christian metal lyrics and, uh, but that wasn't even enough. And, you know, I just kind of came to that point where I was torn a lot and, one day, uh, I just, I, I didn't know which way I was going to go because I didn't want to go the Christian way because I didn't, because I didn't feel like I were connected with that community at all because they were always telling me I'm going to burn in hell. Right. And then like Sirius XM liquid metal, you know, they, how they do like the bloody root show. Yeah. They did an episode on native American metal. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, and that was my first exposure to like, Native American metal besides like Testament, like Testament, you know, and all that. And when I heard resistant culture, I was like, that's what I want to do. And that's where I changed lyrical directions completely and went away from like trying to please the community and be Christian and do Christian metal to wanting to use my music to advocate for indigenous issues and to promote decolonization and return to the old ways. Nice. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. Uh, how you got like how that, like, um, bloody roots episode kind of like introduced you to a lot of the bands. Like I, I guess uh, I, I've always kind of just knew about these bands, um, in passing, but, um, I think, um, well, I, I kind of moved around a little bit for like school. And then I think when I was finally like away, I was living in like North Dakota for a couple of years. I think when I was gone, I kind of like was missing little things about being in Arizona. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe you can relate, but like, if you see someone from where you're from, like when you're, you know, living somewhere far away from home, like those, I guess that's kind of like what got me really drawn to like, um, like uh, native and indigenous uh, specific, you know, bands and uh, especially metal bands. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just something I've been, you know, really into and just kind of feel like it's a cool scene and um, definitely not, not well. I mean, I know there was a time period where it was being covered a lot. I think, you know, revolver magazine did like a, like a short documentary and um, it's been mentioned yeah. in a couple of the big, um, like uh publications but um i kind of feel like it, it gets mentioned but then after that it's kind of not really followed yeah, up it just disappears. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> into into the dark into the shadows like i remember when that revolver documentary and magazine issue came out i actually bought that issue because i was like going through a phase of doubt right 
Well, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know anymore, and I was in uh, Books a Million back home, and they had the magazine there, and I picked it up, and I was flipping through, and I saw them doing a cover in Native Metal, and I got all happy, Res Metal, Native Metal, whatever you wish to call it, uh, and it made me it made my day, and kind of gave me some encouragement, you know, seeing it. And uh, and next thing you know, like everybody was tagging me in it. <laughs> everybody back home was tagging me in it. Yeah. Like, look, look, look. <laughs> yeah. Was that I've around always, the time? Always been about promoting. Yeah. Was that around the time you started the uh, decolonized project? Um, uh, I think it was around. Two, it was around 2019. Okay. When I started it, because it was the. Yeah, so I think it was before that. So, you know, I mean, after after that issue came out. And uh, what made me start the band was Resisting Culture because I had a conversation with them. And I'm going to tell you, this is for you, you're going to get joy off this. Um, I commented and told them, hey, when y'all coming to North Carolina? Because they were doing like an East Coast tour. And they were like, We'll come to North Carolina, but your band's got to be on the bill. And the band wasn't, he had, didn't have any music out. There was no band. It was, the page was there, but there was no band. <laughs> it was just me, you know? And what I was doing with the page was I was just like supporting like Standing Rock and all that. But like, like you know, when they have all the, all that going on, the Standing Rock um, protests going on, I was like sharing like footage and whatever they, whatever digital smoke signals was streaming i was sharing it up there just to like have it be kind of like oh well support you know and when resistant culture told me to get my band going i was like okay i'll get my band back together like the band disbanded <laughs> and that's how that happened so i just got into the north carolina metal scene and i got um the first person i got to join the band was my guitarist uh my former guitarist martin um, she was like all down in the dumps about not being able, not, not being in a band and talking about how uh, life sucks because she's not in a band. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, you know what? Here's your opportunity. Come join my band. That's how that happened. And then she went and got Matt, who was the bass player. And that's how the colonized came to be. We didn't have a drummer. So the drums you hear on the demo ain't real drums. Those are keyboards. That's keyboard drums. So the keyboards were done were done by drums. The drums were done on keyboard. <laughs> okay. Is that the Seeds of Resistance demo? Yep. Okay. So there was no drummer. Uh, if you listen close, I don't know if you heard it, but you'll hear a gourd. Oh Yeah, in the opening, the first, the opening, yeah. uh, the, the ritual, the spoken word. Yeah, intro. it's on all the songs. It's probably... I'd probably say that's the only, uh, I mean, your, your music's the only one I've heard with a gourd rattle throughout the entire song. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that came from resistant culture. So that was influenced by them. Yeah. Resistant culture influenced that, um, they did it first. So I just like, okay, let's sync it with the rhythm guitars. And that's how it happened. And people liked it, that sound, you know what I mean? And I, and all uh, and, that's how that happened. Yeah. Were there other bands or any other specific like inspirations for that first demo besides resistance culture? Um, torture squad, torture squad was inspiration. Um, yeah. Torture squad, resistant culture, Testament. And yeah, I think those are like the three that kind of influenced me. Oh yeah, and Deicide. So Deicide was an influence. Oh, Deicide, hell yeah. yeah. So yeah, Torture Squad is like a Brazilian death thrash band. That's why we did like, the whole like just three to four piece thing where we had the bass and one guitarist because like I heard like the a lot of Brazilian bands are like three to four pieces. They only have like one guitarist and. I liked it to sound because I could hear the bass and I wanted the bass to be audible because sometimes I feel like certain guitars sometimes bury the bass. And that's why I did, did it that way because I was basically trying to like blend like resisting culture with torture squad in a way. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? That's basically what I was trying to go for. So I think that's the best way to describe it. Cool. Yeah, and um, has there been any um, plans to put out another demo or another release? Um, as soon as we get the lineup together, we, I want to start working on new songs. Um, I got lyrics. I just need to get the band going again, get the lineup secured <laughs> and, uh, and just record some skeletons and stuff and just practice, practice. And then, you know, go record. I know like Ross told me when the band gets going, um, he, um, is going to hook me up with his producer to record the album that recorded the blood wolf album. Yeah. So that's what, that's what me and him have talked about. And that's the plan, you know, like once the lineup is secure and put together, then we're going to like record the whole, we're going to re-record the demo songs and we're going to record a new album, a newer song. So. Awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, like, um, I know uh, you said you're living in New Mexico now. Like, um, have you, do you ever get a chance to go back to North Carolina? Uh, I haven't been back in North Carolina since I've been here. I video call my grandma and my mom weekly, every week uh, when I'm off. So I usually call them and video call, talk to them for 30 minutes to an hour. Just ask how they're doing. My mom's supposed to be coming out here in the spring or summer to see me. And my brother's talking about coming, my older brother. So yeah, they're, they're talking about coming out here to visit me. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Like, how, how do you, how do you like, um, like, I guess New Mexico compared to North Carolina? I just, I like the nurturing environment about it. I love like the, the art, the, how band, how um, this community is very supportive of, the metal, I guess you could say, you know, metal is very supported around here. I notice, especially within indigenous communities. Whereas where I come from, you know, metal is not supported. You know, there's not a lot of art being displayed around the community unless it's powwow time. Like when powwow time comes around, that's when like all the artists come out of the woodwork. But other than that, you know, there's not, there wasn't a lot of support for, uh, what I was doing when the band was going back home. Whereas over here, you know, people are excited for the colonists to be coming back. And, you know, they're down to do a lot of bands who say, you know, you get, to, when you get the band going, let us know. We want to play with you. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah. So that's, yeah I, you know, I noticed, yeah, there's a lot of support within like, um, like, like the native and, you know, indigenous slash like resumental bands, a lot of, especially like a lot of band members, you know, they share band members throughout like a lot of the different bands. So I think it's, you know, there's a lot of support for one another. Um, and then on top of that, there's just a lot of like, you know, uh, native people around here that are always, you know, wanting to find new bands, you know, me included. Um, and then uh, I usually ask this question to everyone. Uh, is there any like bands that you feel like don't get enough recognition or new bands that you think people should check out? Oh, for sure. Um, Blood Wolf, um, Ross's band, and my friend Alejandra from out in Virginia. She's um, she's like Aztec and Aztec or Mayan, and she was like a fire dancer. So she and her family used to travel to powwows. But to my surprise, she's actually a, a metal musician. So, and she does blackened speed metal. And she's a great, great musician, very talented. She's got her first demo out and she's got a second demo on the way right now. Yeah. What's the name of that project? Blitz. 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 Like Blitzkrieg Blitz. Yeah. And, uh, and she's great. She's a great singer, wonderful person. And another band last, um, last but not least, I, I think, um, well, actually, it's two bands. Um, I think we should recognize um, the original singer from Torture Squad, Vitor, uh, for, you know, his contributions to indigenous metal, especially indigenous extreme metal with his projects, Tribal Scream and the Voodoo Priest. They really do talk about indigenous issues and 
he's an amazing vocalist and I hope to get him over here one day. Um, and I recommend you interview him. You should message him and interview him. Yeah. Yeah. What's his, uh, just, uh, I'll look him up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll send you a link to him. Um, and then the last band I say is resistant culture. I think they're very underrated and they don't get enough recognition. And I feel like they need, they need to be talked about. Yeah. They're, they, they do a lot more than people think they do. Like, um, I was reading an interview and I found out they do like a lot. They do some youth outreach and they, they try to help their own communities. You know, they may not be out on the front lines cause, and, uh, and, you know, and, uh, but they are like trying to help their community and they send solidarity and support, you know, to like other struggles going on around them, like standing rock and, and all, you know, so that's one band I think people need to get to know, especially since the singer did a brief period in, tor in Terrorizer. Like Anthony Redshawk used to sing for Terrorizer. And then he did like two albums with them. The last one he did was Horde of Zombies, which had another member for Resistant Culture in the, um, in the band. And a lot of people need to remember that, well, recognize that Jesse Pintado from Napalm. And I think, didn't he play in Morbid too? Um, from in terrorizer um i don't know off the top of my head sorry okay well jesse pintado played in resistant culture too as well as played in terrorizer i think he played in morbid at one point i know pete sandoval played in morbid for a bit oh yeah for sure yeah so that's something like people people should look at look at you know because you know for sure you know and i and if resistant cultures out there listening to this, thank you for encouraging me like to get my band going. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, those are cool. I don't, I mean, I don't, a lot of the, the bands you like mentioned, I haven't really checked out. So I'll definitely check them out. Um, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm more of like, like I still follow a lot of like the mainstream stuff. And I, the main thing I've been listening to a lot is just this emulation. I don't know if you can see the, Oh, Act of God? Yeah, Immolation CD. Oh, yeah, nice. I got nice, a nail nice. a couple days ago. I've been just listening to that a lot. It's... Oh, I love Immolation. Yeah. Like, like, I'm not a metal elitist, so, you know, I don't I don't judge. I have my guilty pleasures. <laughs> yeah. I know they like, played, uh, they played a, a show a couple days ago in Phoenix with um, uh, Mortiferum and Imperial Triumphant, and I couldn't go just because it's, like on, a, like, on a Monday night, and I live, like, five hours away, so it would have been cool to see them, but... Yeah, definitely. Um, I was a big fan of Immolation and um, those other oh, bands too. Sure, they're a great band. Um, like you mentioned, you said mainstream. I was like, well, I'm like, I don't, oh. I don't hate on anyone for like, for you know, liking anything that's like, I guess more mainstream. Like you know, for example, if someone likes Kill Switch Engage or something, I don't hate on them about it. Oh yeah, about I love them. Yeah, I love them too. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I listen to a lot of things. I think. I don't know. Um, I guess the only thing I don't really like get into is just like, if there's, if they're, if the, if the album cover has like a, like a, like a fucked up, like mutilated corpse or like a mutilated woman on it. I just, I don't even listen to it. I'm like, that's, that's just not for me. <laughs> oh, you mean like the slam bands? Yeah. Those bands. Yeah. Like the slam bands. I got the, the album artwork for like guttural secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, basically like you know basically women getting like raped by demons on the cover i'm just like that, that's just so like i don't know it's like it's appealing that's to good. like the least common denominator i feel like i think the reason why you feel like that is because you're kind of like you feel like oh if I, i'm listening to this i feel like i'm disrespecting women I feel like the person who made that artwork and the people who backed that artwork i'm just i'm just like i don't really yeah, I'm just not. I'm yeah, sure it sounds. I'm sure it sounds heavy and like cool, but I'm just. I just. To me, I just kind of like. It's not. Yeah, for it's me. just a turn off. Yeah, turn off. You know, and that's perfectly normal. Um, and uh, you know, like I kind of I know that's why I never got attracted to like the gore, the gory side of death metal. You know, yeah. I never got into it. You know, because I like the music, but I don't like the imagery. Yeah. So. I wanted to take that imagery and just kind of indigenize it and 
have it be attacking the systems that you know oppress us because what they fear is our culture yeah for sure you know coming back in full fold you know and taking over and erasing their culture their like systems of oppression oh yeah and for if you're looking for uh i don't know um if you're looking for a good black metal please check out pan american native front oh yeah well, yeah i, I definitely Have dig you them yeah. <laughs> i don't know i i I, I think I might have like asked a couple like like I might have I think I messaged uh, about it but I just I don't know if he does interviews I don't I haven't heard any like I've only video heard audio. or or audio interviews of the I think his name is uh, the curator of war right yeah I've only heard one interview with him yeah I'll definitely uh, definitely like you know see if he's into it but um. The one, the oh, person I really want to talk to is uh, like Max Cavalera. That's like the dude that like, I think he's probably like the most influential, just as far as like you know doing. Oh man, Sepultura Max Cavalera. Yeah. Max Cavalera is just every all the native bands' uncle. Yeah, <laughs> he's just the uncle of the community. We're like, oh, there's Uncle Max. Hi, Uncle Max. Come on over. Come on over. We got your food ready for you. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, me and Ross cool. always yeah. talk about. Uh, doing a separator reunion, <laughs> yeah. we always talk about making that happen so much. Like we always we we be plotting that plotting how we how we would do a how we would make a separator reunion happen, and the wow. stories we come up with off of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it seems kind of. I don't think it'll 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 ever happen. Just no, um, it, I it guess, won't. It yeah. won't. But we can fantasize. Yeah. <laughs> I think we the band just, just just like really uh, crossed them hard, and he just doesn't want to have a uh, uh, reunion like with, yeah, uh, with the original members. Yeah. It worked out for them though. They're, they're both, it seems like both uh, bands are still active and doing well. And Oh, you know, sure. uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So far it's going to be in Gallup, I think in two weeks. So I'm looking forward to that show. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, I know, uh, Derek from, from Sepultura. Um, he's really nice. Actually, he actually follows me. I actually follow him and, uh, I've actually did like a Sepultura tribute. So I did like a turtle and I had the Sepultura S on the back of it. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they loved it. And so he followed me because, and it was all, you know, I did that because he did this video standing up with, with the Amazon tribes, you know, called guardians of earth. Yeah. And, yeah. And you know, when I, when I see a band and they show solidarity with our people, our struggles, then I, then, you know, I have a deep love for that band because not all bands are willing to talk about these uncomfortable subjects. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if they're like a real famous band, you know, they're kind of, they don't, they don't talk about it because they feel like, you no, know, like, you know, it's not going to be received well, but you know, bands that take that risk and be like, Hey, let's, you know, let's talk about this subject because this is bad and it needs to be talked about. Yeah, another good, another like I guess famous person who did that was Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. He was actually at Standing Rock during the uh, the pipeline demonstrations, um, and uh, I think the, the Lamb of God even wrote a song or he wrote lyrics to it from yeah, the, about that on the Lamb of God album. So, yeah, yeah Southside of One. Yeah, yeah. On route. Yeah, yeah route. that one. Yeah, Chuck really up there. Yeah, that's another like another example of that um i mean yeah they didn't they're just there as big as they are you know it's cool that they recognized what uh the standing rock tribe was going through for sure and then um fit for an autopsy did something um they did a video they did they dedicated their music their song black mammoth to the yeah, yeah. standing rock resistance and i remember i got home from from Washington D.C., me and my cousins went up to Washington D.C. to protest with Standing Rock against the pipeline. So I came back and I looked up, and Fit for an Autopsy had a music video that was all—I think it was just nothing but footage from Standing Rock—and they just clipped it all together and made it like an educational music video where they're telling you about the issue, and the music is just kind of like the background music. Yeah, and it was a great music video, great video, and I actually sent them like a 
message telling them thank you for that yeah yeah that's that's cool i know like uh, i've seen them i want to say like twice like live and they they always close their show with that song black mammoth and yeah it's it's uh it's just an epic song and it's just cool that they close all their live shows with that song oh for sure i know that's one band i have to see at least once i want to take a picture with them and i want to have a sign i want to get my waters life sign i want to take a picture with them holding oh that's cool (laughs) yeah hell yeah Yeah, that's what i want to do and uh but you know, I think I think I've said enough here, and you know, and I appreciate. It. I enjoyed talking to you, and um, and uh, and uh, do you have any like extra questions you'd like to know? <laughs> uh, no, I think I'm good. Um, I think those are pretty much all my questions. Um, any like um, closing remarks or anyone you want to like recognize before I stop the recording? For sure. Um, I would just kind of like to recognize um, Metal Cave. I want to thank Metal Cave for supporting all of us, you know, all of these bands out here, you know, North Carolina to California and beyond, you know, and I want to thank, you know, Resistant Culture, you know, and my friend Ross for kind of encouraging me when, you know, the band seemed to be falling apart, you know, and, uh, and, you know, so, and, you know, most importantly, just, you know, thank you for like doing this podcast, man. Um, and keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. That was my talk with Jamie of Decolonized. I hope you enjoyed that interview. And be sure to follow Jamie of Decolonized on Instagram at Jamie Decolonized. Also, be sure to check out that Seeds of Resistance demo streaming on the Decolonized YouTube channel. Also, Metal Cave Zine has been streaming it as well. Um... But yeah, thanks again for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm going to play another track off of the Seeds of Resistance demo, and this is going to be Do Not Speak. So, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, talk to you later. Go on it.